Turn with me this morning to the book of Luke, chapter 2, and verse 25. And as Brother Pinkerton already announced, please, if you need a giving uh, pledge slip for the missionaries, just ask. We have those available. And those gifts can be either one time or they can be annual, or sorry, monthly gifts. Uh, there are places on that card for those designations. And we want to be part of the kingdom of God beyond the city limits of Huntington, Indiana. And by giving to our missionaries, we are able to take part in what God is doing around the world. And all of the missionaries that are on that card have been, I hate to use the word vetted, but they've got fruit. There is fruit that they are bearing and God is working and God is moving and we want to be a part of that. You will not be throwing your money away by any means. And, uh, and it's not our money anyway, it's God's money. And so if you want to help with the kingdom of God, beyond our city limits then take part in giving to missions Jesus name Luke chapter 2 and verse 25 says and behold there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and the same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him Verse 27, and he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Verse 34, And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. He's still speaking to Mary in verse 35, and he said, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. With the help of the Holy Ghost today, I'm going to preach this title, Chosen of God and Precious chosen of God and precious. There will be no youth class today. We've got some that are still traveling and since there's just one service all of our young people are going to stay in here this morning. Chosen of God and precious. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for all that you have done. God, I thank you for all that you are doing. I pray, Lord, that your will would be accomplished in this place today. 
God, I pray that you would move in my heart and in my mind, in my family, in my city, in my church, God, in my state, in your kingdom. God, I pray that you would move. I pray that your will would be done through us and in us, for us and by us, God. I pray it in the name of Jesus, Lord. I pray that your will would be accomplished in Jesus' name. Why don't you say in Jesus' name? Amen. You can be seated this morning. Chosen of God and precious. We find in Luke chapter 2 that Jesus is now eight days old and his parents being the godly parents that they were following the customs of the laws of Moses bring him to the house of God for the ceremony of circumcision. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This was not just a an average run-of-the-mill man, but this man, the Bible says, was just and devout. His name, Simeon, means he who hears or obeys. He is a devout man. He's waiting on the consolation of Israel, the Bible says. It means he's looking for the coming of the Messiah who was considered to be the future comfort of Israel. And Simeon's entire life, his entire daily routine is centered around seeing the Messiah. He is seeking after the consolation of Israel. He is looking for this one who is going to be the comfort of Israel. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost was upon him. He was being led by the Spirit of God because in verse 27 he came by the Spirit. The Spirit urged him to go into the temple where he saw the child Jesus. When his parents brought him to do after the custom of the law. And when he saw this child Jesus, he immediately recognized him for who he was. He was not just another baby that could have been part of uh, a group of children there that day. This was not a normal situation. This was not just a normal baby, but instantly the spirit that was upon Simeon urges him that this is the one he is looking for the consolation, the comfort of Israel. And when he sees this baby, he understands that this is the day that he has been searching for. This is the day that he has been waiting for. This is the child that he has been looking forward to and hoping for. He wanted to see him. Then he took him up in his arms and he blessed God. In verses 29 through 32 are what we call Simeon's song. He said, Lord... Now lettest thy servant depart in peace. He's saying, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm able to die. I can die now. I'm not afraid of death. I've seen what I wanted to see. I can depart in peace. It's meaning a release. The word used is, is often used in the releasing of a slave or a bond servant being set free by the payment of ransom. I, I know now that the Messiah is here and so now I can be released from earthly service and earthly cares. Lord, I'm ready. I can go at any time because I have seen 
thy salvation in verse 30 because Simeon understood that when I have seen Jesus, I have seen salvation. My eyes have laid upon this child that is the Messiah. He is the consolation. There is comfort coming from this child. There is something that is changed in the earth's atmosphere and in my world. There is something that is changed. And Lord, I've seen your salvation that you have prepared before on the face of all people. He is a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. We've got Simeon here who is no doubt a man of prayer. He's a man of conviction. He is a man who was in tune with the Spirit. He was familiar with moments of spiritual revelation and he understands that when I've seen Jesus, I've not just seen the salvation of the people of Israel, but he's going to be a light unto the Gentiles and Simeon is letting us know that the, from the beginning of God's original plan, his intent was that all would come to salvation, that none would perish, that all of humanity would have the opportunity for salvation. Simeon blessed them. He said to Mary, Behold, your child is set for the fall. And rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Simeon is looking at this baby who is so much more than just an infant, he's more than bundles of cuddles and funny faces and funny sounds expressions being learned. It's more than the changing of diapers. Jesus, yes, still had to have his diaper changed. He's more than just a run-of-the-mill infant. He's looking at him and he's, he's seeing the remedy for man's sinful behavior. He's realizing that that this, with this infant comes the answer to the issues of life. The remedy for man's sinful thoughts and his patterns and his sinful cycles. That hope, that remedy is here now. The needed regeneration has come. The way has been known unto man. The way has been, been, been made known unto man. The way has come back, or I'm sorry, the way back from the fall of man is here now. The remedy for what happened in Genesis chapter 3 and verses 5 through 7 has now come to life. The remedy for the fall of man is here. Genesis 3, 5 says, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes. And the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat, and the eyes of both of them were opened, 
they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Why did they have to do that? What was this process? Because sin had entered into the world and mankind had fallen and all of a sudden they're seeing things in a different light or in different darkness rather than, than they had seen them before and, and they're seeing things that before were so innocent and now there, there is, there are evil thoughts that, that are, that are compounding upon them there are, are situations that that they're seeing now for the first time and they're they're seeing them differently because sin has entered into their world because they've been disobedient unto God and they're seeing things in a perverted manner they're seeing things in, in a different way because they, they have they've fallen from where they were they had been in a place of innocence they had been in a place of communion with God they had been in a place of communication with God but sin entered into their world and they fell down from the place that they were in and Satan had told them surely you will not die you can eat of the fruit and you'll be okay you're not going to die and I imagine as they took that first bite Satan whispered in his soul smoothing serpent like voice well see you're still alive but all of a sudden their eyes were seeing things that they had not seen before their minds were thinking things that they had not thought before they were interpreting the issues of life and their surroundings like they had not interpreted them before while they were physically alive they were spiritually dead and the Lord said I've got to find a way I have a way I am the way I'm looking for the right time to interject myself into their time because I want mankind to be back with me where they ought to be let me preach to you this morning that God still desires for men and women to get back to that place of communion and communication and relationship with him. Mankind had fallen. Simeon described it. Luke 2, 34. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, Behold, this child is set for the fall. He's set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. The word used for fall means ruin or a falling. It is only used in Luke chapter 2 and in Matthew chapter 7. It's only used two times in the Bible, but Simeon said this child is set for the fall and the rising again. I find it interesting that he doesn't say that your child is set for the rising and the falling. He's saying that mankind has already fallen. Mankind has already found himself in a place of spiritual ruin. 
that is already taken place. And, and it might even become more so. But in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 26, he said, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Great was the ruin of it. You see, the house that Jesus described in the parable of the builders, or the parable of the houses, in Matthew chapter 7, one house was built upon a solid foundation. However, the other house was built upon the desires of the flesh. And when a house or a life is built upon the Word of God, then it can stand the test of time. It can stand through the storms of life. But when I build my life upon the desires of my flesh, it will only and always lead to ruin. I said it will only and it will always lead to ruin. And great was the fall of it. Great was the destruction of it. He said the great was the ruin of it. And no one takes pleasure in the falling down of the house built upon the sand. But Simeon in his moment of spiritual revelation looked at Mary and looked down at her infant son Jesus and said this child is set not just for the fall but he's also set for the rising again he's not just set for the destruction of man he's also set for the rising again of man yes there are things that are not pleasing to God but there are also things that are pleasing to God while sin may separate us Slow down so you can hear me. While sin may separate us from God, there are also things that will bring us back to God. Jesus said, I've not just come to bring peace. I've also come to bring a sword. There are things that will divide There are teachings, there are doctrines in the Word that are condemning. Judgment begins at the house of the Lord. There are things that the Word of God says must be done and things that must not be done. And when I participate in the things that should not be done, then I am separated from God. I have fallen away from him. He said that's part of it because there is going to be and there has to be a distinction between the people of God and the people of the world. There has got to be distinction. He said, so there are some things that when you hear it uh, are going to rub your flesh the wrong way. They're going to make you uncomfortable. But when you get your mind wrapped around, uh, I want to be pleasing to God. I want uh, to experience everything. that God. I'm not satisfied living part of the way. I'm not satisfied with living with part of the relationship with God. I want it all. words that Simeon the words that Jesus used in Matthew 7 
They start from the thought of Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 13. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary. That means order everything in your life around whether this is pleasing to God or it's not. Any, any decision that I have to make can be balanced in is this pleasing to God or is it not? If it's not pleasing to God, that's an easy decision. I don't need this. So, well, I, I, it's neither pleasing nor displeasing. Okay, well, then we can move on to another step. But everything in my life, I sanctify the Lord of hosts in my life. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary. When I live my life that way, he is a sanctuary. He's a place of safety. But for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel. Still talking about a split kingdom. For a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. He's saying that when you come to Jesus, when you come to this walk with God, there are going to be some things that challenge you. There are going to be some things that challenge you to be a better man, to be a better woman, to change the way that you think, to change the way that you live, to change the way that you respond. It might be big changes all at once. It might be small changes here or there, but the Lord is saying that's an opportunity. You can either stumble or you can step up on the stone. You can either stumble or you can build your house upon the rock it's Jesus Christ is seen by Simeon as the stone on which some fall and are bruised he's going to be here for the fall and the rising again Luke chapter 20 and verse 9 says then began he to speak to the people this parable this is Jesus a certain man planted a vineyard and led it forth to husbandmen and went into a far country for a long time. Verse 14, but when the husbandmen saw him, they reasoned among themselves saying, this is the heir. This is the parable that Jesus is, is teaching them that he's, he's uh, a, a vineyard owner. And he has given this vineyard to workers. Well, he goes away, or verse 9 says, a long time. But he sends people to check on the vineyard. And they come and they are mistreated. They come and they are abused. They come, speaking of his ministers, speaking of prophets, speaking of men of God. They come and they are beaten, abused, neglected. In verse 14, he's describing himself. He's saying, I came. And when they saw him, this son of the certain man, they reasoned among themselves saying, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do 
unto them. He shall come and destroy these husbandmen and shall give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, God forbid. He beheld them and said, what is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected. The same is become the head of the corner. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. You see, either way you come to the stone, there is a breaking. Because when I lived in the world and I lived after my own reasoning and my own analytics and my own thoughts and my own feelings, then I was, I was living according to my own plan. And some of those things have got to change when I come to Jesus Christ. But the beauty of it is when I come to Him on my own and I see I need to change and I fall upon him it's like taking a pot and dropping it on a rock and it is broken but it's still in pieces but the bible just told told us in luke chapter 20 that if jesus has got to come to some and they refuse him then he's got to fall on them and grind them into powder let me preach to us this morning that there is a very real beauty of being broken in him when i am broken in him although it is uncomfortable. It is a place of safety. When I set him as my my responses, as I as I cue all of my responses to please him, then he's still a sanctuary even when he's got to break me. Even when my fleshly desires are broken, I are still a, I'm still in a place of safety. I'm still in a place of a sanctuary. He said, my own will reject me, but others will embrace me. While some would reject him, others will plant their feet upon the rock and rise to a higher life. So this child is going to be a sign shall be spoken against. So he's not going to be sign wanting to win acceptance he's going to endure contradiction of sinners so the whole history of Jesus's earthly ministry was summed up in Simeon's prediction he set for the fall rising again of many. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 1 says, Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. There are some things when I first come to Jesus that I can't handle. When a baby's first born, you don't take that child from the hospital and take him to Baker Street and order him a ribeye. Man, we're celebrating. Baby's born. Let's feed him some steak. You might take the child to Baker Street, but he's going to drink some milk or some formula and you're going to eat the steak because he's not able to handle it yet. Now, just as soon as he's able to handle it, you better be feeding that baby some steak. 
that baby needs some protein. And so when we are first born again, man, we're just happy to live for God. And we don't, we ought not to worry about some things. We ought to just let some people grow into. But there comes a point when the baby transitions from formula or milk to baby food. Pureed green beans. Beats. Lord, help that child. Mashed potatoes. Carrot pudding. Lord, thank you for staying. And it would seem silly for us as adults to get excited to go to the store and buy baby formula, baby food. Greg, if I ever hear that you have gone to Walmart and bought yourself a whole slew of carrot baby food. I mean, who showed up at Thanksgiving dinner this week with a box full? I brought the carrot. Set it down, it's a bunch of baby food. People are going to look at you like you're crazy. Because we've graduated from that. We're not eating that any longer. And so it would seem silly. And it would also seem silly to try to feed a baby steak. Cut it up in little tiny pieces. Just let them gnaw on it for a while. Desire the sincere milk of the word. But Peter is saying, listen, when they come in as newborn babes, they ought to sincerely desire the milk. I want everything that I can handle right now. That's why when they come in, we're going to encourage them, lift up your hands and worship. You can handle that. You get all that you can. Man, you come in and you just you just worship and you get all of God that you can handle. You run the aisles. You clap your hands. You jump. You dance. You leap for joy. So on and so forth. Because that's what babies do. You're getting a taste of it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Verse 3, the sincere milk is going to help them grow. Thereby, if so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Peter is saying that when you've tasted it, you've discovered it by encountering and experiencing. It's like the first time that Selah experienced coffee. Looking through old pictures on my phone the other day, and there she was. She's sitting on the floor. She's got my wife's coffee cup, and it's covering her entire face. And she did, ah. She experienced it. She tasted it. And and yesterday morning, she said, "Dad, I need you to make me a cup of coffee." And I said, "No." She said, "Well, then you make a cup of coffee for yourself, and I'll drink some of it." She had experienced it. She had encountered it. And she wanted more of it. That's the beauty of living for God. When I come into the house of God and I've tasted it, it ought to make me want more. Have you tasted that the Lord is gracious? 
Have you tasted that the Lord is good? Have you tasted that the Lord is faithful? Have you tasted that the Lord is merciful? Have you tasted that the Lord is full of grace? That he's full of kindness? That he's full of love? Verse 4 said, To whom coming as unto a living stone, you came to him, and he is a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but he's chosen of God and precious. That's why Simeon could look at him and he could say, Lord, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to leave this earth because I've seen it with my own eyes. This is the consolation. He grabbed that baby from Mary and Joseph and he's holding it. And he said, this is the consolation. This is the comfort of Israel. He's not just going to be a light to the house of Israel. He said his intent is to save all of humanity. Jew and Gentile alike. And some will come to him and will reject him. But to those that will indeed step up onto him, he is a living stone and they will taste that the Lord is gracious. Chosen of God and precious. Verse 5 said, But ye also is a lively stone are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. You don't have to live in confusion when you believe in Jesus Christ. Because he's not the author of confusion. Satan is the author of confusion. So I don't have to live confounded. I don't have to live blubbering. I don't have to bumble my way around and stumble my way around. I'm connected to the liveliest of stones. He said, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. Everything in ancient construction depended on the builders getting the initial stone laid perfectly. Because everything else within that structure would align with that first stone. And that's why they call it the chief corner stone. There were other stones in the other corners of the building, but that was the chief cornerstone. Oh, there were some apostles over here and prophets over here, but this was the chief cornerstone. John the Baptist might have been a forerunner, but this was the chief cornerstone, and his name was Jesus Christ. And Peter said he was chosen of God, and he was precious. And everything else in the kingdom is based around him. Everything that was in the Old Testament was based upon Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not, he's still there. To those that believe, he's precious. To those that can't or won't or don't, he's a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. Even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation your people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I love verse 10. Which in time past, were not a people. 
Now you're the people of God. It's in time past. Man, your name meant nothing or nothing good. But you're not living under that name anymore. When you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you took on His identity. You took on His attributes. His characteristics. So now you are somebody. Now He's made you holy. He's made you pure. He's sanctified and made you righteous. Now you are the people of God. You don't have to live under the old identity anymore. I don't have to be identified by my mistakes. I don't have to be identified by my mess. I don't have to be identified by who my dad was, who my mom was, who my aunt is, or whatever. I don't have to be identified by my family mess or my family tree. But I am now a child of God. And I have obtained mercy. I didn't have mercy before. I had judgment before. But now I've got mercy. He was disallowed or rejected of men. But he was chosen of God and he was precious. He was made the head of the corner. He is the chief cornerstone. But verse 5 says it was he's not just preaching about Jesus. He said, and now you also as lively stones. You came to a living stone and now you've got life yourself. Now you've got foundation yourself. That's the beauty of stepping up onto a relationship with God. That's the beauty of being grounded and rooted in Him. Now ye as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. Holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. These are not just normal stones that Peter is writing of. field or on any old mountain or in any old batch of woods. He said, these stones have been harvested and they have been hewn or they've been cut in a special way. You can't just take a bunch of old stones and throw them together and expect it to work. He's saying you're not you're not dealing with stone veneer. Today's day and age of construction, stone veneer is a popular method of covering the exterior of a house because they can manufacture fake stones. They look like stone. Some of them even feel like stone, but they have less weight. So they, they hang them in sheets. But they're not stone. They just look like stone. But Peter said, these stones, you as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. You have been cut. The stone cutter has taken time to cut off some things. You don't look anything like the stone that was harvested in the field. You don't look anything like that stone that was dug out of a riverbed. You don't look anything like those rocks that were blasted 
out of a quarry. You don't look anything like that. But somebody has taken time and cut you down and trimmed off the things that were not pleasing to God. And there might be times in our lives when we come to the house of God and it gets uncomfortable. Newsflash, it gets uncomfortable for everybody. It doesn't matter how long you've lived for God or how short a time you've been here. There are going to be times when the Word of God cuts. But when we look at verse 5, we get some hope that He's not just cutting on me for some sick kind of pleasure. He's cutting things away from me because He wants to use me in the structure of the kingdom of God. He wants me to be built up as a lively stone, a spiritual house. He wants me to be part of the kingdom of God because these lively stones of verse 5 are the stones that make up the kingdom of God. They are you and I and everything in our lives have got to be aligned with the chief cornerstone. That's why He started the conversation that way. Do we make mistakes? Yeah, we make mistakes. Do we fail? Yes, we make mistakes and we fail. Do we fall? Yes. But he was set, Simeon said, not first for the rising, but he said first for the falling. He said the whole, those who are whole, W-H-O-L-E, have no need of a physician. That's why when we come to the house of God, we can't just hear messages about how we have it all together. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call the sinners. And sometimes that means i got to be told I am sinning. Because he's set for the fall and the rising. I don't know about you, but that gives me so much comfort. God's not here just to kick me down. No, that's what man does. Man kicks us down. Just leaves us laying. He said, I'm set for the falling and the right. Let's stand this morning. Psalm 35 and verse 15. But in mine adversity, they rejoiced and gathered themselves together. Yea, the abjects gathered themselves together against me, and I knew it not. They did tear me and ceased not. That's what man does to men. That's what women do to women, or women do to men, and men do to men and women. That's what mankind does to mankind. But Micah chapter 7 and verse 8 says, Rejoice not against me. Oh, mine enemy, when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Because he wasn't just set for the rising of men, he was also set for the fall. He also made a way when men and women fall that they could arise again. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against Him until He plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold His righteousness. You're going to make mistakes. Mankind as a whole has fallen. But Simeon told Mary and Joseph, your baby is made for this. He is set 
That means he is laid or lie. He is specially anointed and specially destined for this moment, for the fall and the rising again, again of many in Israel. He's going to be a light to the Gentiles. He's come to the earth for such a time as this. He is chosen of God and precious to save a people who are chosen of God and precious. It's time to realize I might be in a spot of being down right now, but I I'm in the right place at the right time that God can help me up. That God desires for you and I to have the rough edges chipped away. It might take a month. It might take a year. It might take three years or so on and so forth. But when I come into the house of God and I can say, okay, God, I know it might be uncomfortable, but I want to let you work on me today. When's the last time we asked ourselves what we needed to work on? I can't just assume I have it all together. But I want to be the best man of God. I hope you want to be the best woman of God or man of God that you can be. He's chosen of God and precious. He is the way. Truth that hurts sometimes. But he's also the life. And today, I'm in a safe place. I'm in a place where he can work on me. It's not a place of judgment, of humanity. But judgment does begin at the house of the Lord. I wonder if I have anybody that would say, okay, I'm ready to be worked on. I'm ready to to go to the next level. I'm ready for God to shed some light in my life. I want more than I had before. I want more of Him. I want Him to work on me. I want Him to move in my life. I want my life to align with the head of the corner. The great unknown.